to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we want to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and and, uh, our series Parables and Object Lessons as we're looking through the, uh, the parables that Jesus taught and how he used nature and everything in the Bible. And uh, before we get started, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer? Yes. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for um, the opportunity we have to um, scour your word and to see your principles and to talk about how they um, are experienced in our lives and to share the good news about your love and your your regeneration um, in each one of our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this is uh, actually program number 12. You can go to our website, and uh, these, these, uh, these seri- this series is there, and this is program number 12 of par- Parables and Object Lessons. And this time, uh, last time we talked about the leaven and, and how it kind of imperceptibly causes things to grow. And, uh, and so, you know, and we talked about uh, in the previous time about how the seed, how we can plant a seed and it can grow. And these things, have, you know, that God has provided, it, it, things just, they, they grow. And, and it's it's all from that Spirit of God working within. Right. You know, we don't have that power um, of no. our own. Our power is going to turn to selfishness and self-centeredness. But um, uh, God's Spirit can come, come into us and help us to... Uh, grow our character to change those mm-hmm. character habits into better character habits. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like he told Nicodemus, you must be born again, and you're born as a little babe in, in Christ, you know. But mm-hmm. then what happens is you you grow up, you change, you know, right. the old, you know, and you can you can he- just hear Paul in Romans 7 talking about the, you know, wow, the good things that I want to do, I don't do still, and I'm good, you know, and Jesus is not there to condemn you for that. He knows that you're growing and growing out of the old behavior and into the new behavior. Right. I was going to say it's kind of like an onion, but I guess maybe a better metaphor yeah. would be a rose. Yeah. So a rose is a tight bud, but as each petal is unfolded, it, it becomes more and more beautiful. Yeah, you and who unfolds I mean? it? Uh, God does. And yeah, it, you can't. And the thing is, is that... Um, it's almost like a new, like the onion. It's almost like a new layer, a new freshness that's that's being exposed. And yeah. It's 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 good and it's um, fragrant. Yeah. If you want to ruin a rose, try to force it open. Right. Try to force it right. open. Try to have it not go through its natural stages. And of that's, growth. And that's the yeah. one thing that we have to understand is is God is the great physician, and in the healing process and the healing of our minds, there's a natural progression of the growth Mm -hmm. that has to happen for the Christian. He's got to go through all the process. Every stage of growth is necessary. We have an orchard, and with the apple, 
we go out there and, and you know there's a bud and then there's a little one inch round green apple and then there's a two inch round green apple and there's a three inch round green apple and then finally the apple's red and it, we can't pull any stage of growth out of that apple mm-hmm. if we do i mean it's just it won't work well you, and i think i think sometimes we can look at people who maybe who we think maybe aren't growing in christ but the change doesn't always happen on the outside it's it's within the heart and that's what we studied last time right. with 11 you yeah. you can see it growing but you can't you can't you don't know how it's, it's doing it's from it. the inside from out from the inside out it right. takes something from the outside right you know, so we always have to allow people, um, you know, be be a positive part in someone else's growth yeah, and not yeah. a critical. Yeah, a positive person. part, and yeah. that helps. Yeah. yeah. So this time we're going to talk about the hidden treasure, and this is based on on Matthew chapter thirteen, uh, verse forty four. Right, and the uh, parable says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto, um, is like a treasure hidden in a field. The man, when he finds it, he hides it, and for the joy, therefore, goes and sells all that he has so he can come back and buy the field. Yeah, you know, in in ancient times, it was customary for men to hide their treasures in the fields. Thefts and robberies were frequent, and whenever there was a change in a ruling power, the families who had a lot of possessions were most likely uh, to be put under a heavy tax, so uh, they would hide their, their treasure in the field. Right, and they were also um, in constant danger of um, marauding armies that would come and they would, you know, uh, steal from people. That's right. So as yeah. a consequence, the rich made it a point to preserve their wealth by concealing it, and the ground was sometimes chosen as the safest place for them to hide everything. Bury it. That, Bury yep. it, yep. As time passed, the owner might die, he might get tossed in prison, maybe even exiled in the wealth that he had taken you know, his life to preserve was left for some lucky person, possibly, who would discover it. You know, and in Christ's day, it was not uncommon to discover old coins, ornaments, gold and silver in neglected or deserted fields well, or Well, even, land you or, know, we're, we're on 10 acres, and sometimes you find things from the past yeah. you know, that have been buried, and, and uh, it could be from 30, 40, 50 years past that have been buried, maybe not on purpose but on accident yeah. something will show up like a, a metal a tool or Piece instrument tr- right old 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 tractor right or, or a bottle or something yeah. and and so what happens is you know someone will go and they 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 rent some land to cultivate and as their ox would plow the soil they may unearth a treasure and when the man discovers the treasure he sees that there's a fortune within so he puts the gold back into its hiding place he returns home sells his house and all that he has in order to purchase that field containing the treasure. Yeah, yeah, and then you know his family they just love this. They think he's acting like a madman, right? Right? And this is the this is how the parable goes, but the but the man knows what he's doing. And when he has a title to the field, he goes back through every part of his land to find the treasure, doesn't he? Right. And the parable illustrates the value of the heavenly treasure and the effort that should be made for us to secure it. Mm -hmm. The man who found the treasure in the field was ready to part with all that he had, ready to work his tail off in order to secure the hidden riches. You know, and that's the way it should be with a person who runs, I want to say, head on into the truth about God, because that's what the Bible is about. It's about the truth about God, how he can take a David and change his heart, how he can take a Nicodemus and change his heart. How he can take a Rich and Susan and, and change, change us. Heart. Yeah, you right. know, it's not and about us. It's about what God can do. That's that's the truth, right? you know? Um, and so when, you, when, when that hits home, 
with a person, they'll eventually come to the conclusion that there's no work that's too hard. There's no sacrifice that's too great as we search out this treasure, you know. In the parable of the field containing the treasure represents the Bible, and the gospel is the treasure, the good news about God and what he can do with a a messed up person. Right. You know? But what does the Bible say? Yeah. Many have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have intellect, but they don't discern. That's true. And, you know, I mean, in your mind's eye, if you can picture um, a man walking right over where the where the where the treasure was or maybe he sits down in a tree mm-hmm. and he doesn't even realize that right at the edge of the roots there's a treasure there and he's sitting there right next to you know this thousands and thousands of dollars buried a few inches under the ground he's sitting right next to it and he doesn't even realize it right and you know that's the way it was with the Jews absolutely yeah um so when truth has been entrusted, like to the Hebrew people, um, it's like a golden treasure. The Jewish economy, which should have been a revealing of the signature of heaven, it was because it was instituted by Christ itself. So all those types and symbols, the great truths of redemption were unveiled. Um, and yet when Christ came, the Jews didn't even recognize him as the one to whom all the symbols had pointed. So That's, they had a lot going on. Yeah, they had on, a lot going on. But it was all to reference them back to the truth about God, to help them to learn a little bit more, try to bring heaven down so that the earthly could understand spiritual principles. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, John gave them a clue when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, you know, John, boom, it should should have clicked right there, and I'm sure they knew what he was talking about. Right, because about. he says, Behold the Lamb of God, and they knew that a lamb was sacrificed, right, right? Yeah. In, in that temple service, that, that Jesus came as a sacrifice to show what sin does to the human race. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna probably pick on the Jews here a little bit briefly, uh, of, of the Jews and the Pharisees of Christ's time a little bit briefly, but we're gonna bring it home to us today because I, you know, I mean, we can always point there's, fingers. There's nothing new under the no, sun. No, there's nothing right? new under Every, the sun. What they what they had wrong then, we have wrong now. Exactly. You know, because they had the Word of God in their hands. You know, have you ever done an experiment where you whisper something in somebody's ear, oh, and, then they, and they whisper it in somebody else's ear, and it, it goes all the way around the room, and it comes back, and it's totally different? Right. You know, and I think that's kind of went went on. The traditions, they got stiffer and stiffer, and, and, and you know, it, it wasn't really what God intended by the time Jesus came. They had lost sight of the law of love. Mm-hmm. They had human interpretations of the scriptures now. They had they had self centeredness interwoven into their ceremonies. Mm-hmm. The spiritual importance of the sacred writings was lost. You know the, the the treasure house of knowledge was open to them, but they didn't see it. It was just like the guy sitting by the tree, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't he doesn't know the treasure is buried right there. By our own course of action, you know, we can actually obscure make the truth obscure to ourselves. You you know just by I mean, I don't think that they understood what they were doing at the stoning of Stephen. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the stoning of Stephen? Right. Because he was telling the truth. He mm-hmm. nailed it, right? Right. What did they do? They stopped their ears. Yeah. In fact, it Acts, yeah. Okay, so in Acts seven fifty four to 58, um, 
The scripture says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their coats at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Yeah, you know, and like you say, they they stopped their ears. So, you know, not only did they cover up their ears, but they sought to shut him up. You know, don't we we do that nowadays? Because this is kind of like a an object lesson of how we act when we hear something that we don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they shut him up? No. No. He still speaks to us today, doesn't he, mm-hmm. by, by this event. Right. Right? See, Jesus gave the people of the day abundant evidence that he was the Messiah, but his teaching called for a real change in their lives. But they saw if they embraced Christ, they would need to give up their selfly, their selfish, ungodly practices. It requires sacrifice to receive eternal truth Mm -hmm. you know pray for your enemies see it's ungodly to want revenge desiring revenge requires planning right Mm -hmm. and that's unhealthy planning Mm -hmm. right and it rattles around in your brain and it and it keeps you from a connection with god when you're hating someone else Mm -hmm. or you're planning revenge you're planning or, or or the resentments are running around in your brain and in your, in your this and that is happening you're not close to god right and it it you know when we have those wrong train of thoughts um they tend to feed on themselves and so they just keep getting bigger and mm-hmm. more um implanted into our brains to the place where it's almost kind of like you don't know how to jump off the train because it's just kind of taken over its own power you know it's interesting you say that there's a law uh, there's an actual law. It's mm-hmm. called the law of ex- escalation. Mm-hmm. When when this when this happens, whether whether it's two people or if it's just inside your mind, mm-hmm. there's a law of escalation, mm-hmm. and it just keeps escalating and escalating and taking us farther and farther away from God. Mm-hmm. And so it's good if we have resentments, if we have people we're angry with, write it down, mm-hmm. write it write it down, and write how it affects you, mm-hmm. and then pray for those people. Well, and the, sometimes the thing is, is first you got to pray for yourself. Yeah, to be that a, you can even be. <laughs> yeah, you got to say, God, help me. Um, I I recognize I have these feelings and these resentments towards somebody, but I'm not capable of praying for them because my hate is so strong in my heart. You know, God understands it. God knows that more than then we even know it. He sees that real truth inside of what's going on in our hearts and our brains. And it's only from that power from without that um, our carnal hearts can be changed. But the beautiful thing is, is that he does. He can create a miracle. And by you know going to him and talking to him, he does cure us of the, that disease of fear and hate and judgment and and that kind of and he can turn it to love he really can i know it's happened in my life and i've well, seen it happened in a lot of pe- other people's lives too well you told a story the other day how how you, you know you actually got physically sick mm-hmm. praying for mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. you know um and i you know that happens and i think it's after you know a lot of us have been hurt have been hurt terribly whether it be physically or or emotionally and um, it's something that we've hung on to, and sometimes I know for me, I used it as an excuse 
to allow myself to have certain behavior or to act a certain way or to um, whatever. And so I didn't, it's like, I almost like you're, you're so used to hanging on to it. It's hard to let go of. Yeah. And it's a part of you. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's a part of your character, but God yeah. says that's not, that's not, you know, the, the, you're not operating on the principle of love. Resentment and anger aren't a part they're of God. They're not healing. Right. The resentment and anger are not a part of God's kingdom. And mm-hmm. so they're not a part of his kingdom of love. And so he wants to, to team up with you. He wants to yoke with you with this with these huge problems that we have, provide the remedy and give us peace. Yeah. And and produce the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And um, you know, it's only through his power, and like we were talking in the program before about the leaven, it comes from outside that spirit of God and he can change us, but we have to be willing participants in the trial. Yeah. You know, taking, right, going through and taking the medication mm-hmm. and being honest with our symptoms mm-hmm. and um, doing as the doctor says. And Jesus says, forgive. Mm-hmm. Don't don't think angry thoughts because when you're thinking angry thoughts, you know, you're, com- you're, you're committing teach- murder. Yeah. You're teaching your brain to become an angry brain. Right. And when you lust after a woman, you're committing adultery because Jesus knew the mind all too well, and he knew that um, we, whatever we thought, we became. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Exactly. So he wants to clean up those, those that brain of ours. Yeah. And nobody is a lost case. We're all it's all, we're all capable to going into remission and to be healed from the disease that we have. Yeah, you know, but some I got some rooms up there that I maybe I don't want him in. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. We got to open it's got to be an remember he says in Revelation, "Behold, I stand at the door and mm-hmm. knock." What what door? That's the right. door of our hearts. He wants in. Right. But he's not he's a gentleman. He won't go where he's not welcome. Right. He he yeah, he's asking, "Can I come in and and sup with you? Can I come in and yeah. And and have communion with you yeah. so that we can work on Let's this together. So we can work on it together, yeah. you bet, so that we can have a healed solution. He's yeah. not just going to come in and zap your brain and change you. And no, a, that would take away your individuality. Absolutely. Yeah. He, and, and it takes away the, you know, somebody has said to me the other day, but it's so hard. Why is everything so hard? Because you know what? Life is hard. Yeah. And it's through that hardness and that trial and the things that come upon us that we become stronger people. Yeah. And whether we um, are physically become physically strong, it's not always the case. Sometimes we, you know, when we battle disease like cancer and things like that, we may lose that battle, but we're never going to lose the war. We can still, if we're united mm-hmm. with Christ, then we are victors. Yeah, that's, that's what it that, takes. That's true. So that's you know, uh, they, back back to the Pharisees, they believed in the Old Testament scriptures, but they refused to accept the testimony about life's Christ and the character that his um, his life exhibited. Maybe you know a little fear of being converted, and you know it's hard to give up preconceived ideas, preconceived opinions. Um, the way, the truth, and the life was among them, and they rejected the greatest gift. That heaven could possibly give them, right? You know? Yeah. In John twelve forty two, um, it says, "Among the chief rulers, so were so also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they put away they would be put out of the synagogue." Yeah, they believed. They were convinced. They believed Jesus to be the Son of God, but it wasn't in harmony with their ambitions to follow him. And and here's where I want to bring this towards us 2,000 years. How many of us are unknowingly like that today? We say, I love Jesus, 
But deep down, maybe even subconsciously, we think to ourselves, sometimes his methods and ways are too hard for me to follow. Or, I'm not going to bring Jesus into this one. It will be embarrassing or too hard financially, or the worst one, people will talk, mm-hmm. you know, and I th- we're worried about optics, we're worried about a lot of different things at, during this process when we should be letting Jesus into the heart, there's all this peripheral stuff that comes in and says, yeah, but this will be embarrassing, or this will be, you know, wrong, or don't do that, you know, trying to protect ourselves. Well, I think it goes back to that root that um, that um, you know the um, the fear that yeah. that we all have about you know everything in life that we can have. First um, Corinthians two fourteen says that the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And Second Corinthians four three and four says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom God, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto him. Hmm. The God of this world, who has blinded the minds. Mm. Okay, what are words again? Mm-hmm. What are Symbols. Words? Symbols of what? Ideas. Symbols of ideas. Who is the God of this world? It's Satan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Does Satan just take what he wants? Nope. We have to give ourselves over to him. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I gave myself up. And, you know, I, I the more the more I went out, the more I wanted to go out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The worse I got, the worse I wanted it to get. Mm-hmm. And so t- the devil just doesn't come in and take we make a choice mm-hmm. to give ourselves over to him. And, and so that's where, where it says, that, you know, when it says the God of this world has blinded the minds, mm-hmm. once you get so far, um, the next thing you know, even, even love, even, even God himself in human flesh showing up in person mm-hmm. can't convince you that he's God. Right. Now that's scary. Right. That is that is because really scary. I'm not sure if it's in John, but eternal life, or it's in, or um, something Paul said, something about eternal life is to know God. Let me see if I can. Did I have that in my notes? Um, yeah, because it's to know Him is eternal life. Let me see if I have that in my notes here. Um, yeah, I'll cut it right here. It's John seventeen three of three and four. It says, uh, "And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee." the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified these thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou hast giveth, gavest me to do. That's John 17, 3 and 4. So let's do some Bible math. What is eternal life? It's to know God. So then what would be eternal death? To, to not, not know, know God, God, right? And so what... And, w- well, and what, is, what is the knowledge of God? You look to Jesus, and he was God. Mm-hmm. That's your Bible math, right? Right. So what was the work that Jesus came to do? He came to... He says, to... I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest to work, to do, gave me to do. In other words, I have revealed your character so people will know you. Right. See, he came to show us who God was, and there are people on this planet that saw that and said, no, that's repulsive. Right. 
to forgive your enemy is repulsive. Right. To love someone under a 12th Street bridge is repulsive. Right. To wash a bum's feet is repulsive. To wash your betrayer's feet is repulsive. See, and so it didn't, Does those spiritual things didn't make sense to those Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And so do they make sense to us right. today? Can we bring it home? Can we bring it 2,000 years upstream and have that work in our lives? Or are we going to be, you know, are we going to take at face value what Jesus showed us about God? And that's what we need to, to study is what Jesus showed us about God. Yeah, so uh, we're going to have to get going here, folks, but... Uh, we wanted to let you know you can contact us. Drop us a line at www.justasiamministries.com. Send us an email or give us a call at 916-645-1297. Um, and uh, we'll send you out a free resources, too, if you want. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.